Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. And today we're going to be talking about the first round running backs, not every single first round running backs. Some that I want to just dive a little bit deeper into for one reason or another. Maybe there's an interesting spot that I think they're going to finish. Maybe they're going to be a potential bust candidate based on some indicators. All of these things on a couple of running backs we'll talk about the first round running backs. We're going to be basing this off of Fantasy Pro's average draft position, which currently right now, as I'm speaking to you, I'll pop it up on the screen for you. Hope you're all having a fantastic day today. But if you're listening on the podcast, no worries at all. I'll voice these names out for you. So right now, the running backs going in the first round, if we take this as a PPR format, a 12-team draft, it's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry. Those are six out of the first seven picks. And then you have all the way at 12th right now, hanging on there for the seventh running back in the first round is Joe Mixon. So I'm going to talk about a few of them, not every single one of them. If you want to see more about every single one of them, you can go back to my running back rankings video where we've done running back rankings all the way up to running back 24 in about four or five different videos. So you can check those out. Those will all be linked down below in a playlist to fantasy football 2020 playlist. Welcome. If you're brand new or if you're even returning to this channel, I appreciate you being here. What we do is we just relax. We dive deep into the analytics. We dive deep into some film that I watch and we put it all together in this brain of mine. And I just share my opinions with all of you totally free. So welcome if you're brand new. And if you have not yet subscribed to this channel and you've seen a piece of my content before, take a second, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, all those things. This channel is really growing and I'm very excited for when the later months of the summer come and what the upside will be in this channel, potentially doubling. I don't know. I just, I think all these things. So I really do appreciate all the help, whether it's on the podcast, hitting the subscribe button or over here on YouTube. It really does go a long way and I really do appreciate it. So a couple things that I will call out is that as of June 15th is when the draft kit is going to be releasing. I'm very excited. My draft kit, you could probably get it for only $10 with a couple of promotions that we're going to be running. So just keep a close eye on that. And very soon you'll be able to pre-order that draft guide. So as I record this, it's early June. So if you're listening saying, Sal, what are you talking about? You're in the past because you're listening in late June, July, August, whatever it is. Well, then just link down below in this video and every other video that you watch will be a way to go access the draft guide. Totally free player profiles, rankings, tiers, uh, statistics, a bunch of stuff that's going to be in there. Well worth it. Um, trying to add as much value as possible. So be sure to check all of that out. Also linked down below is the Discord, but the other big piece is my top 25 running back rankings for PPR formats as of at least today, me recording this. So if you're watching later in the summer and somebody gets injured, that's because just check the timestamps of this video. But that's as of right now, I'll be updating that throughout the summer as well. So check that out. That's just a sample of a smallest possible sample of what the draft guide is going to look at. So you can see those top 25 running backs linked right down below. Sign up for that. Check that out. Get in the Discord. Start talking to the community. So the question of the day, as always is who is your running back to this year everybody's going to be talking about McCaffrey maybe in this video I'll be edging for somebody else but who is your running back to Dalvin Cook Kamara Saquon Ezekiel Elliott who is it going to be let me know down below in the comments section right now and please give me a little bit of an explainer as to why I really do like communicating with everybody down there I always answer every single person as you can see so I genuinely mean it let me know exactly why you were thinking that person so without further ado now that you've hit the like button now that you smash the subscribe button hopefully maybe even the notification bell you now may pass go and start this video and we're going to be starting it off with the man on the screen behind me right now in Saquon Barkley and the reason that I want to talk about Saquon today as one of these first round running backs who is kind of interesting to me is because I think he deserves a lot more credit for the upside that he has to be the running back one this season than he's getting. He's just automatically slotted into the RB2 or RB3 slot. And personally, if you're slotting him into the RB3 spot, that's fine. And I guess the answer to your question will clearly indicate to that that to me. If you're picking Zeke or Cook as your second running back, you're probably picking Saquon as your third or maybe even fourth running back. But to me, in PPR formats, that's a big mistake because I think Saquon is much, much closer to Christian McCaffrey than he's anywhere near Ezekiel Elliott, anywhere near Dalvin Cook this season, at least when you're ranking it on paper. Now, if you look at last year, Saquon 
Saquon Barkley, he did miss three in really three and a half games with the high ankle sprain, but he ended up playing on 88% of the snaps still, over 215 carries for over 1,000 rushing yards, eight total touchdowns, which was a big drop off from the 15 he had in his rookie season, and he caught 52 of 73 targets, which again, because he missed three and a half games, and also there's just not Peyton Manning there. Daniel Jones was taking off the run a little bit more, a more mobile quarterback. You went from 91 receptions his rookie year on over 120 targets, just insane numbers that people forget about, to 52 receptions on 73 targets last year. I think we're going to see somewhere obviously in between that because he missed three and a half games uh, last season compared to the rookie year, but you're never going to see, I don't think, the 120 target season because Daniel Jones is just more mobile. Daniel Jones pushes the ball more downfield than Eli Manning did at the tail end of his career when Saquon was a rookie. But Saquon was still number three in snap percentage, number three in opportunity share last season on his team, only behind guys like Derrick Henry, only behind guys like Christian McCaffrey. So he's still an elite running back. I mean, that's no questions asked. That's why he's being ranked as one of the top guys, seventh in fantasy points per game, and he had 2.7 red zone attempts per game. You can see all these things on the screen right now. But something else that is a major difference that yes, now you have Daniel Jones there, mobility, instead of Eli Manning, that's going to drop probably the reception totals, but and maybe even the rushing touchdown totals. But the other thing that you have to keep in mind is last year, the Giants offensive line ranked 22nd in the NFL, and it got progressively worse. This past season, they drafted three offensive linemen in the first five rounds of the NFL draft, including the fourth overall pick this year in Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. So that's going to get better. And you would imagine that if Saquon Barkley doesn't have to lead the league in yards created like he's done in the past now, his rookie season now, he led the entire league in evaded tackles, the entire league in yards created. He's not going to have to do that now, or even if he does, it's just going to be even better, but he's not going to fully be on him now that he has, or at least profiles out to be a better offensive line this year. And now this is the big reason why I think he should push a little bit closer to McCaffrey. Look, McCaffrey is due for some negative touchdown regression, right? 19 touchdowns last year, just probably one of the best, if not the best running back season that we've seen out of a running back for fantasy football purposes. When you factor in the thousand plus receiving yards, the thousand plus rushing yards and the 19 touchdowns and just how many targets he was seeing like top five in the NFL and overall targets, routes run, all these things as a running back. And I'll get this clear. I currently have Christian McCaffrey ranked first overall, but I'm just trying to make the case that Saquon is a lot closer than people think and definitely should be the solidified second overall pick in really all formats at this point, in my opinion. And Saquon Barkley, his rookie season, yes, the receptions probably go down from his rookie season, but they're definitely going to be going up from this past season. His yards created and overall yards in general probably go up with a better offensive line and just a healthier offense. The entire offense last year of Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and and Golden Tate never were healthy for a single game. Man, if that just happens for a couple games this year, Saquon Barkley should have a lot more running lanes because positive game script, we would hope at least, is going to be in his favor. And if it's not, and if their defense is just as bad as it was last year, a terrible secondary, which seems to be the case yet again, well, then more checkdowns should be coming Saquon's way, which helps his PPR upside. So his rookie season, it was just the absolute beast. He finished as the RB1, slightly edging out Christian McCaffrey. So this is a guy who has shown that potential to do it. Like I said, number one in yards created uh, per game overall at 43 per game in first innovated tackles with 7.1 evaded tackles per game. He saw 24.1 fantasy points per game, finishing as the RB1 with over 385 points. He was top five and really top three in pretty much every category, whether it was touchdowns, whether it was red zone touchdowns, receptions and overall touches and overall yardage. He was up there. He was top two or top three, pretty much neck and neck with McCaffrey in every single one of those areas. So I do think the upside for Saquon Barkley in a better offense with a better offensive line in a situation where he's at least healthier this year is honestly RB1. And I think a lot of people know that that's his upside, but I don't think they're giving him the benefit of the doubt, or at least as much as they should, that he can actually push McCaffrey. Like right now, I do struggle. I have right now McCaffrey and Saquon in my tier one, which you can get in the draft guide, at least 
June 15th. And if it's already past that date, well, then it's down below in the description. And they're my only two running backs in tier one. And what that means is I think they're on an upper echelon class of everybody else. And what that also means is that they're very, very close for me. It means they're in the exact same tier. They're right there neck and neck, similar to how they finished two years ago in Saquon's rookie year and overall fantasy points, Saquon edging out Christian McCaffrey and PPR formats by like a third of a point. And you can see right here, I'll put up a tweet based on the durability of Saquon rookie year. He played all 16 games last year. He missed those three to three and a half games. And Jared Smola, you can see here his tweet in the seven games that Saquon had his high ankle sprain injury after those games, he started to come on as the season went on. If you broke this down for like the last three games, but overall in those seven games, just 3.2 yards per carry, 7.3 yards per catch and 2.39 yards after contact per attempt. Well, how did he start the season off? Well, vintage Saquon, 6.3 yards per carry, almost double the number, 9.2 yards per catch, which was over two yards more, and then 4.2 yards after contact, which was almost double as well. So you can see that the ankle injury and definitely for the final couple of weeks after right when he came back from injury was still lingering him. He started to become vintage Saquon those last two to three games of the year. But just in general, the second half of the season when he got hurt from the ankle injury, a similar injury that he sustained going into the Big Ten Championship for Penn State while he was there in his final season. It's something that really did impact Saquon Barkley and something that really did limit his overall performance. And now he has an entire season to heal from that. Uh, I I like the upside of Saquon Barkley if he just stays healthy. Now in the offseason, the Giants did a ton to help Saquon and I've already hinted at it. And it was pretty much just bringing in a bunch of offensive linemen at this point. They brought in a blocking tight end in Levine Tololo, which is the former San Francisco 49er. They brought in a backup satellite back in Deion Lewis, who I don't think is going to threaten anything. They bring in Cameron Fleming, which is an offensive tackle. And then Eric Tomlinson, another, another tight end who's a nice blocker, former Jet. Those are all guys who are going to be just helping him on the offensive line via free agency. They lose Mike Remmers in free agency at tackle, but then they get a ton of offensive linemen. That's all they draft an offense in the draft. Andrew Thomas, fourth overall in the first round. They get Matt Pert in the third round at tackle. And then Shane Lemonex in the fifth round and interior offensive linemen. So these are guys that are going to help immediately, definitely in Andrew Thomas and probably in Matt Pert. So they improve the offensive line. They get two blocking tight ends. They get a satellite change of pace back behind him, who probably only plays like 10 to 15% of the snaps at most. But Saquon Barkley's upside in terms of what the Giants did in the offseason benefits him maybe the most. So the backfield competition, again, I've hinted at it, not much there. I mean, you have Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, and Jonathan Hillman. So I'm not really too concerned about that. Uh, Gallman last year, who's now going to be the third string, he only saw 4.7 opportunities per game in 2019. And that's with Saquon missing a few games. Deion Lewis saw 5.5 opportunities per game behind Derrick Henry. And honestly, that number might go down because Derrick Henry only plays around 65% of the snaps himself when Saquon's pushing around 85 to 90% of the snaps. So not concerned at all with this backfield competition. I would assume if Saquon Barkley's going to stay healthy, he's going to see somewhere between 20 and 22 touches per game, which just means that he's going to see over 300 touches and rival 350 touches. In his rookie season, he saw 22 touches per game exactly on the nose for those 16 games. That meant he had 352 total touches. And then last year when he missed three and a half games, he ended up seeing 16.8 touches per game, a little bit limited coming back from injury, which ended up being 13 games worth of touches. So Saquon, to me, the reason that I want to talk about him through these first round running backs is because I think he's the guaranteed second overall pick in your drafts, if indeed at the first pick that you see somebody take McCaffrey. But I do think that if you're first on the clock overall, it is not the craziest thing in PPR formats, at least. And honestly, even in non-PPR, I think he actually becomes closer to McCaffrey because McCaffrey, I would assume, still sees more targets and receptions. But when you factor in just rushing ability on the ground and rushing touchdowns, I would say that Saquon Barkley probably has the edge there, if anything, over McCaffrey, especially in better offense, or at least I'm assuming it's going to be a better offense. So yeah, Saquon Barkley, to me, he's a lot closer to the RB1 than the RB3. He's the, without a doubt, RB2. And that's just why he's an interesting running back in these first round running backs for me. Next up, 
up is going to be Alvin Kamara, who's currently going off the board somewhere around the fifth to sixth running back taken. He usually goes off the board right after the Dalvin Cooks and Zeeks, but right before or either after Derrick Henry, right in that range. Sometimes people reach on him before Dalvin Cook. I don't think it's a, a negative reach or anything like that, but he's interesting to me because his upside is RB1, depending on what the workload is. His downside, though, depending on what the touchdowns are, like we've seen the extremes of it two years ago, him scoring, what, 18 touchdowns, and then we see him last season only ending up, and he got a lot of them at the end of the season, just scoring six touchdowns. So is there an in-between there where we can just bank on McCaffrey to get the exact median of those touchdowns and get 12? Because if that's the case, you're looking at Alvin Kamara being a top five running back. But if you're seeing a reduced work role and you're seeing not as many goal line carries, which happened last year, he went from being one of the leaders in goal line carries in 2018 when he really broke out and finished as the fourth overall running back. He went from being the ninth in the NFL in goal line carries to last year on a per game basis, just getting absolutely crushed by Latavius Murray in that department on a per game basis, seeing his role reduce outside the top 20. And that's going to impact your overall touchdowns if that's the case. Latavius Murray took on the Mark Ingram role and he did it even a little bit better in that instance because he was getting more goal line work. And that's factoring in even the game games where obviously Alvin Kamara misses. I'm just trying to look at the games where Kamara didn't miss. Murray was still getting around eight touches per game and still getting goal line carries, which a lot of the times Mark Ingram wasn't seeing that usage or did not see as much usage two years ago when he was with the team. So Kamara, you can see him either going if you spend a first round fifth overall pick on him. I think it's completely fine. I'm not going to knock this and say Kamara's a bust or anything like that. No, I don't believe so based on just the talented pass catching ability that he is and Drew Brees being up there with Philip Rivers as historically the two quarterbacks that check the ball down the most. And when you're checking it down to a weapon in Alvin Kamara, who was a number 11 in a tackles last year. And then two years ago, he ended up being innovative tackles where he saw 5.8 yards per touch and he ended up being one of the leaders innovative tackles as well. So this guy is just an absolute slippery freak. He's a monster. He has had fun fact for you, 81 receptions every single year for the first three years of his career. He is seventh in NFL history with receptions through your first three games. That is credit to his ability to do things after the catch and stay on the field, but also credit to the checkdowns that Drew Brees is having 81 receptions three years in a row. Very weird. But the reason that he's a little bit interesting to me is because I do think he has that RB1 upside. Now he doesn't have the workhorse ability like Saquon, the workhorse ability, even like I would say Ezekiel Elliott in the offense that he's in, although maybe there's a lot of other ways that production can go around in that offense. And then obviously Christian McCaffrey has proved 400 touches last year, 403 to be exact, that he can see a workhorse role. But Kamara has flashed that ability and upside. And if anything, I think he's one of the safest picks in this draft. So that's why he's interesting to me in your fantasy drafts. If he's dropping to like the sixth or seventh pick, I think he's so safe where he actually is because of the quarterback that's throwing him the ball as long as Bree stays healthy. So last season, he plays on 69% of the snaps, plays about 3% more snaps per game. Uh, than he did in 2018. He saw 171 overall touches on the ground for about 800 rushing yards and six touchdowns. And then he caught 81 balls because that's what he does every single year on 97 targets through 14 games. He did miss two games as well during the season, but he was ninth in fantasy points per game at 17.8. He did see 18 overall touches per game, which again, he's not going to see a ton of carries only 171 total attempts on the ground, but 18 touches per game because the guy's catching just 80 plus balls, jot it down every single year so far. He was top five in targets, receiving yards, running backs, overall receptions, all those areas. That's what you expect out of Alvin Kamara at this point, And he ran behind a top five run blocking unit that did actually cut a big piece in Larry Warford on the offensive line. But in the draft, they got Cesar Ruiz in the first round of that draft, an interior offensive lineman who they're hoping could probably take his place. And now you look back to 2018, where Kamara, instead of finishing as like the ninth overall running back last year, ends up finishing as the fourth overall running back in both pure points and fantasy points per game. The fantasy points per game number was 23.2 for Kamara. He was top five again in receptions, targets, receiving yards. Once again, he had those 81 receptions, but he was more elusive because he had 709 yards on those 81 receptions instead of 533. And he saw 105 targets, which was eight more than he saw last season. So he was just a little bit more active in the receiving game, likely because he was 
was healthier. He saw 5.8 yards per touch, which was 10th in the NFL. He did miss a game that year as well. So he's missed three games in the past two seasons. And again, he was top 10 in goal line carries in 2018, where as opposed to last year, he was outside the top 20 in goal line carries per game, which is a big knock and a reason why that you go from 18 touchdowns, which is just naturally due to a regress, but the extreme regression of that to going from 18 to just six last year. And then he piled on those touchdowns the last couple of weeks. I mean, Kamara was sitting at two touchdowns pretty much all year up until I think like week of 13 or 14. He had those two touchdowns in one game and it was a big panic moment. And then he ends up and he goes out and scores four touchdowns, I think in the final two or three games. So what did the Saints do in the offseason that might help Alvin Kamara? And it honestly feels like he doesn't need help at this point because he's fine in between the tackles, but he's been running behind a top five unit and really a top 10 unit the past two years while he's been this kind of workhorse on this team. And really even since his rookie year, the last three seasons and the fact that he's just so elusive in the passing game, it just makes him a little bit independent of his offensive line. But what they end up doing and what they end up going out and doing is they get a new fullback in Mike Burton. They get Ty Montgomery as sort of a, a satellite uh, back, really a, maybe even a gadget guy for the team. But they get James Hurst, an offensive tackle. They lose Larry Warford by cutting him. who's a big piece of that line. I mean, he's just a cut candidate, I guess, just for money reasons. But he was a huge piece of the offensive line. But they kind of filled that gap a little bit by getting Cesar Ruiz in the first round of the NFL draft, somebody who can come in right away and kind of take the place of Larry Warford if that's how they want to kind of implement him into the line. And then last year, if you want to talk about their ability, he only missed two games in his NFL career, and they were both last year in his three-year career due to a knee and ankle sprain. Once again, Jared Smola coming through as the doctor in today's video, letting us know what happened before and after those high ankle sprains. So you can see right here on the screen, Alvin Kamara per game averages before his high ankle sprain. He was getting around 14.3 carries per game. He was seeing about 5.5 catches per game. So right around 20, like right 19.8 touches per game. So right around 20 touches per game. And he was doing pretty well with them, right? He saw 62.2 yards per game, 8.4 yards per catch, and 4.3 yards per carry. So you can see after the injury, some things go down. His overall carries go down from 14.3 to 10.6 because he was injured and Latavius Murray kind of proved himself in the two weeks that Kamara was out by just absolutely going off. He only had 5.4 yards per catch compared to 8.4 yards per catch. So his yards per catch went down by three. And that's a big thing being in open space and not being able to break as many tackles. Maybe it's burst. Maybe it's a little bit mental, but that is an issue for him. He did see more targets. He did end up seeing uh, overall more yards per carry, but he just saw less overall volume and he saw less actual usage in the passing game, or at least productivity in the passing game on a per touch basis in those games. So the thing that you can say how the ankle impacted him, similar to Saquon Barkley, was just an open space, not as elusive. And the team in general reduced his workload by about three to four carries per game after the injury. So the backfield competition, Latavius Murray, Dwayne Washington, it's mainly Latavius Murray. And he's a high upside handcuff because if Kamara does get banged up and Kamara touches the ball a lot as a smaller body back going up against fast and athletic linebackers, you can see what Murray did in those two games last year. He was a top five running back week in and week out in those two games. He was an absolute beast. He ended up playing on 40% of the snaps last year, 146 carries for over 600 yards and six total touchdowns. And the surprising thing, he showed he can be a pass catcher by catching uh, overall 34 balls on 43 targets. He ended up seeing 11.5 opportunities per game. But when Kamara was in there for the 14 games, because that skews up in the two games Kamara wasn't in there, I mean, he was getting like 25 touches a game, uh, you ended up seeing around eight touches per game for Murray. So as of right now, Alvin Kamara sits around fourth or fifth in overall total yardage in Vegas, right around 1500 to 1550. It's slotted in right neck and neck with Derrick Henry. It ends up coming in right behind some of the other big running backs, the big four and Dalvin Cooks and Saquon Barkley's and McCaffrey's. But I think Alvin Kamara has the upside to be honestly an RB1 after the season, depending on how big his workload is on the ground. And that touchdown number, if it gets to 12 instead of six, that's when you start to see, or even 14 and it regresses majorly for him positively. That's when you start to see his upside to be an RB1. Because let's be honest, you need the touchdowns to be an RB1. That's why you have Saquon Barkley as a rookie finishing with 15. That's why last year you see the top two guys and really the top four guys all finishing with a ton. Last year, McCaffrey was first overall. He's number one running back, 19 touchdowns. Aaron Jones was second, 19 touchdowns. Derrick Henry was in the top five, 18 touchdowns. So you do, you do need to have a crazy touchdown season. And I think Kamara 
has that in him just based on the touches that he's seeing, the touches that he's seeing in high upside, open space as a, an elusive running back. So I think he's one of the safest picks that you can take. And that's why I wanted to just touch on him directly because I look at a lot of these other running backs, obviously McCaffrey and Saquon are safe. But after that, after that Ezekiel Elliott tier, you have these guys of Joe Mixon, Kamara, Derrick Henry, even Dalvin Cook with some health injuries. And then all these second year guys and Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, now that he's maybe the workhorse, or maybe just keeps the same role. There's a lot of question marks, whereas Alvin Kamara, the only question mark is, is he going to be healthy? He's only missed two games in three years. I'll bank on yes. And then he looks like a very safe top five RB pick for me. And if you wanted to take him as your fourth or third guy off the board, I wouldn't complain with you too much. And now the final guy I want to talk about is the running back who finished fifth overall last year and obviously broke everything, went crazy in the playoffs. The recency bias that we have on Derrick Henry is that he's the best running back in the league. And maybe he is the best pure on the ground running back in the league. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, But Derrick Henry for me is a guy that I'm kind of trying to figure out a little bit more. I know a lot of people are slotting him in right now as just their automatic RB5 or RB6 right there ahead of or in, in right directly in front of Alvin Kamara. I currently have him as my RB7 for PPR formats, that is, and non-PPR. I think he's a little bit higher and deservingly so for obvious reasons. He doesn't catch the ball. So uh, when guys don't catch the ball, but they're really good on the ground, they'll just thrive better in a non-point per reception league. But I currently have him seventh behind Joe Mixon. And honestly, when I get on the clock and I'm picking, say, eighth and all the other running backs that I just mentioned, my top six are gone. I kind of struggle between, do I want Derrick Henry? Do I want Miles Sanders? Some guys who I think can have elite pass catching roles and upside, and they might not be there at my next pick. And I think this is why I wanted to talk about him specifically and kind of talk about the points and see even in the comments if people want to discuss him. So we'll talk about his last two seasons to begin with. So in 2019, he played in 15 games. He did miss that one week towards the end of the season. He played on 66.9% of the snaps, over 300 carries, which is just nuts, over 1,500 yards. So both the carries and the yardage numbers both love the league. He was the NFL's leading rusher in 2019, and he had a whopping 18 touchdowns. He only caught 18 balls on 25 targets for 206 yards, and that's my concern with Derrick Henry is clearly the passing game work, right? He's going to be the guy on the ground. They're bringing back a whole cohesive unit on offense outside of Jack Conklin, an offensive lineman, but they replaced him in the NFL draft. will pop up their offseason moves pretty shortly. But he saw 20.2 attempts per game on the ground and 102.6 rushing yards per game. Both of those, again, led the league. He finished fourth in fantasy points per game at 19.6 and fifth overall in fantasy points for PPR formats among running backs. And this is where things start to get good because he is a highly talented and highly skilled running back. He's not just a bulldozer who does nothing else. He's extremely elusive, quick, and I can prove it by just telling you his yards created last year, number one in the NFL at 38.6 in yards created. That is a huge running back that is creating yards, meaning he's breaking tackles, he's being elusive, he's evading tackles, he's doing all these things and just putting the team on his absolute back, 38.6 per game, 579 total, number one in yards created, and number two in runs of 15 or more yards. Now let's compare that to 2018 where he played in 16 games, but keep in mind in 2018, he really came on down the stretch because he wasn't the workhorse the whole season like he kind of was last year. He only played on 43% of the snaps compared to 66.9% of the snaps. He only saw 215 carries in those 16 games compared to 303 in the 15 games from 2019. But in 2018, he did see those 215 carries. He went over a thousand yards and he still scored 12 touchdowns. He caught 15 balls on 18 targets. I honestly don't think you can project Derrick Henry to catch anything more than like 22 balls. And that's if you really think it's going to go up a good amount. It has increased every single year in the league, but that's just because his overall snaps and touches have also increased. So just naturally, you're going to see an increase in the receptions. He had 12.6 fantasy points per game, which ranked 20th in 2018. But this is the stuff that really does stand out. He was 11th in carries, 7th in rushing yards. So he always had that volume, but he was fourth in evaded tackles at 5.2 and second in yards created in 2018. Only Saquon Barkley that year in his rookie year was number one and at more than him, but Derrick Henry, 34.4 yards created per game, 550 total. So now you have Derrick Henry two years ago being second in yards created per game, just being crazy after contact, being ability to evade tackles and just show his speed downfield. And then last year he was number one in that category. So this is where I kind of struggle with the statistic. Those obviously means he's a highly efficient and highly productive back, but can that number repeat? We saw Saquon Barkley in 2018 be number one in that category and then drop off a cliff, not really a whole cliff, but not go from 
from one to two, right? He went from one to a bunch of spots down after that Saquon Barkley. So can Derrick Henry just continue to be a top two running back when it comes to yards created on the ground? And I know based on everything we saw in the postseason and based on the fact that he's done it the past two years and recency bias, a lot of people's easy answer without really thinking deeply about it is going to be, of course. But regression is a thing. It's very hard to be an efficient running back back to back seasons in the NFL, especially when you're seeing 300 plus carries a game. And now you're telling me that Derrick Henry, we're just expecting him to be a top two or even a top five efficiency back when it comes to yards created per touch, when it comes to overall yards created, because he doesn't have the receiving game and the receptions to bail him out. So if you tell me that Derrick Henry goes from first or second in yards created to now being 11th in yards created on the ground, and now he's losing 300 rushing yards or 250 rushing yards to his overall rushing total, and maybe instead of having 18 touchdowns last year, he goes closer to the 12 that he had two years ago, and now Derrick Henry's finishing line is somewhere around 1,300 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. To me, in a PPR format, that's not going to be a top five running back. And honestly, that starts to be slotted in towards the top 10 running back number closer to that bottom half of the top 10 than the front half. So that's where the concerns in PPR formats come. And I'll be very clear in non-PPR and even in half PPR, I like Derrick Henry. I think he is a top five pick in non-PPR. But when it comes to the fact that PPR formats, guys like Joe Mixon stand out to me who are workhorse backs who will see similar workloads, except way more activity in the passing game. Guys like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, a lot of other running backs or even wide receivers when I'm in that first round starts to become a little bit safer of a pick for me. So although I think Kamara is like one of the safest picks in the draft after those range of Christian McCaffrey, after the range of Saquon Barkley and Zeke, I think that Derrick Henry, when it comes to PPR formats, is a little bit uh, not so safe. He's a little bit sketchier. I'll put up the offseason moves that you have right here. And you can see the biggest one was that they lost Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, who is now gone and I believe is in Cleveland, revamping their offensive line a good amount. But they did take Isaiah Wilson in the draft. First round pick, he's a tackle. So that was good to see. And then in the offseason, they picked up a couple of other tackles, a fullback to try and help the running game as well. They did get Darrington Evans, who's going to probably take on the overall Deion Lewis role out of the backfield. So Darrington Evans, the college player, I'll put up his profile right now on the screen. You can see Darrington Evans, the backfield competition is this man right here, Darrington Evans, Kerry Blossom game and Cameron Scott. So absolutely no names back there. It's all Derek Henry. It's going to be similar workload to last year. If he can withstand it and stay healthy, he's probably going to be in line for another 300 plus carry season or very close to that. Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State played three years there. He's 22 years old, 5'10", 203 pounds. And last year at Appalachian State, he had 256 carries, 1,484 yards and 18 touchdowns. He caught 21 of 27 targets for 198 yards and a 7.6% overall market share of targets. He was forcing tackles 50 overall. It was top 35 in the entire league, in the entire college football for a kid out of Appalachian State. And he had 22 carries of 15 or more yards. You can see some of his positives and negatives right there in the screenshot. This screenshot is just one of the profiles. I have every single rookie that was drafted who plays a skilled position, not quarterback, because there's only Joe Burrow's going to start, but all the tight ends, running backs, receivers, all these types of profiles are going to be up there. They're going to be revamped and displayed in a different way than just a screenshot from a Word doc that I have, but they're going to be up there on the draft guide on the website that is releasing June 15th. This is just a sample of what you're going to be getting for a very, very low price. So be sure to check it out. Obviously the rankings, the tiers, all those other draft day things that you're going to need and essential will be there for you. I can guarantee you they've been well-researched and well thought out. So I think right now, just to kind of close it up on Derrick Henry. Yes, I think that my struggle right now is that I have him right behind Joe Mixon. And I'm not even sure if that's right. Like, I just feel like that's okay in PPR formats as my seventh overall running back. But I do think just what happens if he is not a top two yards created running back? What happens if he goes down to seventh or eighth in that department and his 18 touchdowns go down to 12 this year? Does he finish as a top five running back? Does he finish as a the ninth overall running back? And if that's the case, I don't want to be drafting him in the first round because just based on his PPR pass catching ability, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to finish as a top three running back. I just don't. Like he had one of the best seasons you can have last year in the ground. The NFL's leading rusher with 18 touchdowns and he finished fifth among running backs in, in PPR formats. Fifth. Think about that. He's currently being drafted in a lot of drafts as the fifth running back off the board. He just had probably his career year last year, leading the entire NFL in everything. Second in touchdowns with 18 behind only Aaron Jones, 
and Christian McCaffrey. And he couldn't even crack the top three at the running backs because of his PPR non-pass catching abilities. So now if you tell me that he doesn't have a career season and he actually drops down a little bit, is he going to finish as the ninth, the 10th overall running back? And if that's the case, I don't want to be taking him in the first round. So it is a concern for me. I obviously understand his floor, but also his upside is capped. So you draft him because of his floor. In my opinion, his upside is capped to being like maybe the fourth, probably the fifth overall running back in this draft. If the passing game increases, well then yeah, he can certainly rival for a top three running back, but I just don't see that happening. So those are three interesting first round running backs for me. I'll be coming back shortly to talk about some of the later round, second, third round running backs based on ADP, but also some of the receivers as well. If you enjoyed this video, let me know in the comment section below, just any thoughts that you have always open to some respectful conversations down there. But if you enjoyed this video, please do give it a like right now, smash that subscribe button. The big old one just popped up on the screen. Greatly appreciate all of you for doing that. Thank you all so much. Thanks for tuning in. Let me know who, which running back would you rather have as your second pick overall in the draft this season? Is it Saquon? Is it Zeke? Is it Dalvin Cook? Did I influence you? Let me know down below right now, the question of the day right now on the screen. You can let me know in the comments and also check out the draft guide. It is releasing June 15th, 2020. So if it's already released because it's past that date when you're watching this, you can check it out, but either way, it'll be linked up down below. And if it is not yet June 15th, stay, stay patient. It's going to be very quickly in the description and I'll be blasting it out through the discord, through the email chains. You can get the top 25 running backs also linked down below. And that's a way that I can actually contact you after you have those to just let you know, Hey, the draft guide released. If you want this nice promo, you can have it a little special offer for you. So thank you so much. My name's Sal Vetri. Hope you all enjoyed this video and I will see you in the next one.